0: Welcome to Bible on the Beach. Now, our focus is always disciples making disciples in churches, planting churches so that in every space and every place that we find ourselves, God can use us to be his hands and his feet, his representatives, his ambassadors in the world that's exciting. You know, God wants to use us exactly where we are. God has something he wants to say to us today through his word. This is God's mouth waiting to speak to us. In fact, let's pray together. Let's say, God, would you give me the eyes to see what you want me to see? Give me the ears to hear what you want me to hear and give me the heart to feel and sense what you're trying to do in and through my life today as I love and follow you. Jesus' name. Now let's get into Acts chapter 12. <clears throat> it says, Now during this period, King Herod incited persecution against the church, causing great harm to the believers. Now it caused them great harm because it was getting them out of their comfort zone. We've talked many times how God will send the heat when He wants us to get on the move. So this is what's happening now. God's turning up the heat on the church. And just like you and I, we don't really like it, but we go with it because if you stay in the heat, you might Catch fire and just burn down. So God turns up the heat, and it keeps people scattering. It keeps them moving along. Now it says uh, that when Herod realized how much this. Please, the Jewish leaders, he had Peter arrested and thrown into prison. During the Feast of Passover, 16 soldiers were assigned to guard him until Herod could bring him to public trial. Immediately after the Passover celebrations were over, the church went into a season of intense intercession, asking God to free them. Now, isn't it interesting how prayer is the response to persecution? You know, nothing will drive us into prayer quite like not having our plans work. This is what's happening here. Plans didn't work. It drove them into prayer. Let me ask you right now a question. What plan of yours is currently not working out, and are you being driven into prayer by it, or are you complaining and yelling at God about it? You know, our plans that don't work can be successful when they drive us into prayer. fact sometimes I'll just slow down when my plans for the day or the week or the month or the year aren't working you know we have plans for the day sometimes we have plans for the week we have plans for the month we have plans for the year sometimes none of them work and you just stop and you say okay Lord what are you trying to tell me and so sometimes plans that don't work are an invitation to press into God ask him what he's up to. That's what happens here. And uh, they went into intense uh, prayer, praying for Peter. This is the night before Herod planned to bring him to trial. He made sure that Peter was securely bound with two chains. Peter was sound asleep between two soldiers with additional guards stationed outside his cell door when all at once an angel of the Lord appeared, filling his prison cell with a brilliant light. You see, God has solutions to problems that we aren't even aware of. And that's why we need to pray. Because when you pray, God will give you a miracle. Now sometimes it's a miracle in your perspective. When you pray, God will give you insight and your situation will change because your perspective changed. Other times you will pray and then God will do an actual physical miracle which here would be defined as God sending an angel into the situation to deliver Peter supernaturally out of the circumstance that he found himself in. Do you need a miracle right now? I'm going to pray for you. God, give my friends watching this a miracle. Give them insight into a situation where they need creative insight to change their perspective, to see what you're doing. And God, for people who need a physical miracle, send an angel right now and do it in Jesus' name. Now the angel struck Peter on the side to awaken him and said, hurry up, let's go. Instantly the chains fell off of his wrists. The angels told him, get dressed, put on your sandals, bring your cloak, and follow me. Now this is why everyone who's ever studied church history understands that the key to the life and the flow and the movement of the church has always been and will always be fervent prayerful intercession. End of story. No marketing and no money can do what the power of prayer can. And that's a call to all of us to get on our knees every day before God and pray and ask Him to bless us and help us. Now he says, get dressed, put on your sandals, bring your cloak and follow me. Peter quickly left the cell and followed the angel, even though he thought it was only a dream, for a vision, for it seemed unreal. He couldn't believe it was really happening. They walked unseen past the first guard post and the second before coming to the iron gate. It flung open and he was right in front of everyone. They went out into the city and were walking down a narrow street when all of a sudden the angel disappeared. That's when Peter realized that he wasn't having a dream. He said to himself, this is really happening. The Lord sent his angel to rescue me from the clutches of Herod and from what the Jewish leaders planned to do to me. When he realized this, he decided to go home to the, uh, Mary and John Mark. The house was filled with people praying. Now, this is hilarious. God supernaturally gets him out of his situation, and now he's going to send Peter back to encourage the believers who were there praying for him. He says, when he knocked on the door to the courtyard, a young servant girl named Rose got up to see who it was when she recognized Peter's voice. She was so excited she forgot to open the door, but ran back inside the house to announce Peter standing outside. They said, are you crazy? They said to her, but she kept insisting they answered, Well, it must be his angel. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Peter was still outside knocking on the door. When they finally opened it, they were shocked to, to find Peter standing there. He signaled for them to be quiet as he shared with them the miraculous way the Lord brought him out of prison. Before he left, he said, Make sure you let Jacob and all the other believers know what has happened. At the first sign of daylight, the prison guards were in tremendous supper because of Peter's disappearance. Herod ordered a thorough search for him, but no one can find them. After he interrogated the guards, he ordered them executed. Then Herod left the province of Judea for Caesarea and stayed there for a period of time. Now, during those days, Herod was engaged in a violent dispute with the people of Tyre and Sidon. So they sent a united delegation to Caesarea to appeal to him and reconcile their differences with the king, for Herod controlled their food supply. First, they enlisted the support of trusted personnel. Who has secured them an appointment with the king? On the chosen day, Herod came before them, arrayed in his regal robes, sitting on his elevated throne. He delivered a stirring public address to the people. At its conclusion, the people gave him a round of applause. The crowd shouted, These are the words of a God, not a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness, an infestation of worms, because he accepted the people's worship and didn't give glory to God and he died. Wow, is God trying to get a hold of Herod. First, God delivers Peter from under his care, supernaturally by an angel. That would get your attention if you were far from God. You know, sometimes people that are far from God, God is trying to talk to them, but they won't listen, and we are so hard-headed. God's trying to tell Herod, I'm working in Peter's life. I'm working through these believers. I sent an angel. I baffled you. I baffled your security. I b- I baffled your cryptography. I totally baffled you, man. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get you to listen to me. He hardens his heart, executes his soldiers, hardens his heart even more, gives a stirring public declaration of a, a, a what I call a fancy speech, a fancy man-made speech. And God says, because you've hardened your heart and because you won't listen to me, your life is over. Now, we don't like this story. Well, how could God be loving and how could God be compassionate? God is loving and God is compassionate. And God also decides when you live and when you die. God's in charge of the number of the days that we have on this earth. The wise person, the person who fears God walks humbly and understands every breath is a gift, every second is a gift, every minute is a gift, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year, every decade. It is all a gift from God. I do not take it for granted. I rejoice that he's given me breath in my lungs to breathe and thoughts to think. And may I use my time for his eternity. That's what the wise person does. Herod did none of this. And God says, you know what? You think your God Boom, your life's over, and now you answer to me. You say, well, is God the judge? Absolutely, 100% God's the judge. We are not the judge. We judge no man. Jesus is the judge. Jesus judges all all men. We judge no man. Jesus judges all men. That's the difference. That's why he's God and we're not. And then it says, but the hope of God's kingdom kept spreading and multiplying everywhere. You see, hope in God always produces multiplication. It's how you can start with a couple knuckleheads in a jujitsu studio over two years ago, and now you end up with a network of 14 churches in five countries and more work we could possibly shake a stick at, because God brings hope, and God brings new life, and God brings multiplication that's what God does. God can turn a little bit of bread and a few fish into something for a whole lot of people. That's what God does. Everything God really blesses, he fills with hope and he multiplies it everywhere. I want to ask you a question. God, what part of my life do you want to multiply? What part of my life do you want to bring hope into? In fact, God, right now, would you fill me with hope and would you multiply my life for your glory? Would you do something in me and through me that I could never imagine you would ever be able to do. Let's wrap it up in verse 25. It says, after Barnabas and Saul had delivered the charitable offering for relief, they left for Jerusalem, bringing with them a disciple named Mark, who was also known as John. God, you know, God wants to use us. He wants to fill us. He wants to spill us. He wants to send us. Are you open to it? I hope you are, because this day moving forward can be the best day if you trust God with it. Man, thank you so much for watching Bible on the Beach today. If you're getting a lot out of this, I hope that you'll subscribe and I hope that you'll text and tell somebody else to follow along so they can grow too. Until next time, I hope you have a beautiful day.